Uh, g'day, uh, you're watching the online ministry from St. Augustine's Anglican Church here in Inverell. Uh, this has been prepared for the 14th of May 2023 and uh, it is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to new mums, adoptive mums, pregnant mums, stepmums, single mums, foster mums, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, those who love children, not their own, spiritual mums. We thank God for all of you. But we also pray for mums who grieve, those who long to be mums, those missing their mums, those whose mums are difficult, and those mums who have children who, who are worse than difficult. And of course, on Mother's Day, it's good for us to remember Jesus who uh, even from the cross honoured his mum, John 19, verses 26 to 27. Our sentence of scripture comes from Isaiah 48, verse 20. Declare this with a shout of joy, proclaim it, send it forth to the end of the earth, say, the Lord has set his people free. We're going to have a time of praise. Oh 
If you received the bulletin on the email, our, our, you'll see our Bible readings today. Uh, John 17, verse 1, and then verses 6 to 18. Psalm 33, verses 1 to 11, and then verses 18 to 22. Uh, 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. Let me pray. Blessed Lord, you have given us your holy scriptures for our learning. May we so hear them, read, learn and take them to heart, that being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may cling to the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Last week, uh, we began a topical series, uh, starting with our purpose statement. Uh, if you missed last week, you can find it online or there is a summary in the bulletin uh, if you receive that electronically. Uh, today, we begin our core values. Uh, so let me pray. Uh, Father, help us to use this time well, that we will grow in Christ and so glorify you. Amen. So the purpose statement for Inveril Anglican is growing in Christ. Here is the very why of your life. Here is the why of our church family. And it can be your, your why as well, I think. Would you agree that if our purpose statement is growing in Christ, then our values should plug into that purpose? So what then are our core values? I'm so glad you asked. In 2009, we agreed, number one, biblical teaching. Number two, prayer. Three, spiritual growth, which is one way we grow. We heard that last week. What's the other way we grow? Physical growth in numbers. Great. So then our next core value might be about outreach and evangelism and welcoming, right? Number four, here it is, loving people. Five, godly leadership. The focus of this sermon uh, is 
our first core value, biblical teaching. So we'll focus on that. Under God, what do we need for biblical teaching? We need a Bible. We need the teacher. And we need the teachable, those who are being taught. What does the Bible say about teachers? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. There we see Christian character is essential. Faithfulness is essential. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Notice the task of teaching is one that's delegated and also entrusted. James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Teaching is not for everyone. In fact, not many. They're the words, not many. The pulpit is not for everybody. Uh, it is a privilege. There are qualifications. Uh, today, under God, as you watch this, you have a teacher. And so here's a prayer. Father, thank you for all who teach us the Bible. Help them to be godly. Help them to correctly handle the word of truth. Your word of truth, rather. Give them faithfulness to the task and give them humility before you. Amen. Right, what else do we need? If that's the teacher, we also need your Bible. You got it. Um, question, is it open? The best way to listen to a sermon is with your Bible open. Why? Because this is what we value. It's our first core value. It is who we are. Anglicans are distinctly Bible people. Let me prove it. In our constitution, there are three fundamental declarations. The first one affirms the creeds. So we'll focus on the second one. You can see it there. Look at the words in bold. Um, this church receives all canonical scriptures of the Old and New Testaments as being, here it is in bold, the ultimate rule and standard of faith given by the inspiration of God. Here's the third uh, declaration that this church will ever obey the commands of Christ and teach his doctrine. Um, and then a bit further on, follow and uphold his discipline. Um, there it all is in our constitution. Implication for the Anglican, the Bible is the ultimate rule and standard of faith that we seek to live out. Which means when you turn to James chapter 1, I'll put it on the screen, James is decidedly Anglican, isn't he? He writes, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Any church, parish, diocese, bishop, clergy, parishioner, 
that does not uphold the authority of Scripture is decidedly, by definition, not Anglican. In our Anglican prayer book is the 39 Articles, and Article 6 is similar. It says, Holy Scriptures containeth all things necessary to salvation. And then a bit further on, it says of whose authority, that's the Scriptures, was never any doubt in the church. There's no doubt as to the authority of the Scriptures. And so Anglicans value the Bible as the authoritative word of God, as the rule and guide of faith and life. This is what sets us apart from other denominations. Let me explain. Some denominations emphasize experience as a rule of faith. Uh, that's pretty typical of uh, charismatic churches and even high church um, sits here as well. Some denominations emphasize intellect, reason, as the rule of faith. Uh, think liberal progressives. Um, some denominations emphasize the institution of the church and its traditions as the rule. Ask Martin Luther how that goes. Uh, do we lean into all of these things, like experience and reason and church and the yeah, the answer is, yeah, we do lean into them. Church should be a good experience. But my experience and feelings don't trump the Bible. Yes, we must engage our brains. But it's arrogant to assume my intellect knows better than God. I mean, that's a sin as old as Adam. Not, not this one, the other one. Uh, and yeah, church order is a thing. Does the church stand over God or does the church sit under God? And so because the Bible is our rule of faith, it does inform our experience. It renews our mind and it instructs the church. Because this topic is much bigger than just being an Anglican and Christians believe the Bible is God's word, surely. But there are objections. Let's deal with a few. Some people think the Bible is just fake news, religious propaganda. Now, Tony Morfitt, you may have heard of him. He's a leading Australian script writer for shows like Pack to the Rafters, Blue Healers, A Country Practice, A Place to Call Home. You know those TV shows? Now, he actually began his career as a journalist interviewing people about real events, witnesses, researching historical records, making documentaries. Here is a guy then, with all that background, I reckon he knows the difference between fact and fiction. And of course, he opens up the Gospels and he says, I expected to find fiction there. He says, I check my sources. I check the facts. I read it. I see these are real people in real history describing real events that they themselves had witnessed. It blew a hole in my ceiling. 
Another objection is the circular argument. Here's an example of a circular argument. God's word is authoritative because the Bible says so. Can you hear the problem? Both sides of what is being said are saying the same thing. It's kind of like when Donald Trump says, the news is fake because so much of the news is fake, right? And so his followers then conclude that every negative story must be fake. But think, why do we have the Bible? Well, such is God's love. He is intentional about revealing himself to us through personal human words. That's all of his grace and kindness. Historically, archaeologically, geographically, look at all the places. It all fits together and it stands up really well, I believe. It is so consistent and compelling and self-evident, I find it, as I read it. As I read it, I also notice that this revelation is unfolding. It doesn't come to us all at once. It begins with creation, God's revelation. Psalm 33, if you read that, shows us that there's no escaping God. He's shown himself. His fingerprints are everywhere on creation. And if that's where it starts, where is it heading? Well, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and A bit of verse 2, it says that in the past God spoke at many times in various ways. But now, verse 2, watch the unfolding. The curtain is going to be pulled back. He has spoken through his son. See, from Genesis to Revelation, it's about Jesus. God, such is his love, revealed himself in action in word and in person. Which person? Jesus. Scripture is the record. It's the gift. It's given to us. It cannot be any other way. Which is why the Apostle Paul will then go on and write his 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Holy Scriptures make you wise for salvation through faith in in who? Christ Jesus. Here is the life ring that we need and must hold on to. Here is the saving word. It's a saving word because it points us to our need. It points us to our Saviour, Jesus. We're still into Timothy chapter 3. Look at verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed. See, it comes out of his mouth. They're his words. He is the origin of these words. He is the source of what is being written down. We need to think about this. Think um, Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. He combated the devil. What was his weapon? It was scripture. What did he say? Here's one example. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus there is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Now think back in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Whose lips did these words come from? 
Moses. But whose words do we hear when we read it and when Jesus quotes it? We're hearing God's word, aren't we? We all know that. Even the devil knows that. Is there human agency? Yes, but we know ultimately it is God's word. It's similar in the New Testament. It's the same in the New Testament. Did the New Testament writers know that they were writing down words from God as scripture? And I want to say to you, yeah, I reckon they did. Of course they did. John 16 verse 13. This is what Jesus promised the disciples. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Right, so hold that verse, and then you come to our Bible reading, Jesus' prayer, which f- follows in chapter 17. Verse 6, Jesus says, I've revealed you, Father. Right. Verse 8, I gave them, that's the disciples, I gave the disciples the words you gave me. Verse 18, as you have sent me, now I'm sending them. See, so here is the great chain. Jesus speaks words from his Father. He gives them to the apostles. And the apostles give them to others. And now we have them. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 21 says, The writers of Scripture were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 is similar if you want to look that up. See the chain. Jesus speaks from his Father. He gives these words to the apostles, and the apostles give them to others. Now, what do we do with these words? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17. God's words are useful for teaching. There it is. Rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be equipped for every good work. See what God's word does. It disciplines us. It trains us so that we can serve him and serve his people. If growing in Christ is our purpose, does God use discipline like being rebuked or corrected to grow us? Is that entirely consistent with something like Proverbs 3 verse 12? where the father disciplines a child he loves. And does he use that discipline to grow us? Amen, he does. What about training in righteousness? It's interesting because who is the very righteousness of God? That's Romans 3.21. It's Jesus. So to be trained in righteousness then is to be growing in Christ. Do you see that? To become more and more like him. So that fits as well. This is plugging into our purpose now, beautifully. And what is the end here according to the verse? It's so that, it's not for nothing, and so that we as servants of God would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Friends, what could be more Christ-like than serving God selflessly and sacrificially and serving his people? that he would be glorified. All right, so biblical teaching as a teacher. Right, We talked about that. 
It's got the Bible, and we've talked a lot about that. What else do you need? Those who are being taught. You need teachable people. And that's, that's, that's your department right now in this relationship that's happening right now. Uh, friends, are your ears and your hearts open? Do you have the expectation that as we share the word together, as we open it up, that God is with us speaking, that we fellowship with him? I mean, seriously, as the sermon starts, are you focused, determined that we would use this time well? Do you expect God to speak to use this experience to speak into your life when you're at Bible study or reading the Bible in quiet time? When you're tempted, are you wielding this, the sword of the Spirit, as a weapon of defense against all of Satan's darts? I mean, Jesus did. A mate of mine, Steve, is in the earth-moving business. Years ago, he showed me a picture of his old heavy machinery left in a paddock. Looked like scrap metal to me. Uh, if you know about earth moving equipment, this is called a Latorno scraper sea pool. Built around 1960, uh, but left in pieces since 1975. It had a Detroit 8V71 engine, 308 horsepower. Without the service manual, this was an impossible rebuild task, according to Steve. He found one on eBay, as you do. He put this thing back together, restored, working like new in 2007. Happy days. Friends, we also need to be rebuilt and restored and, and made good again. We fall short of the glory of God. To glorify God is to grow in Christ-likeness. To grow in Christ implies that we know who Christ is. How do we know him? The Bible. Otherwise, you're just making it up. You're just winging it. Here are the terms. These are God's terms. We don't get to muck with this. We must meet God on his terms. Remember, as people who love the Bible, the Bible is not the end. The end is Jesus. He is the goal. And so let us grow in him. That's our purpose. As we remember our purpose, let's remember Colossians 1.28. That he, Christ the Lord, is the one we proclaim. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature fully perfect in Christ Jesus brothers and sisters let us be growing in Christ and may that all be to God's glory and praise amen
Uh, friends, we come to a time of prayer. Uh, prayer is our biblical core value number two. And I'll be preaching to that end next week. But at the moment, in this time and space, the encouragement is for you to be praying. As a help, there is a blue screen with uh, some prayer points on them. Uh, if you've got the bulletin, you'll see the, the sick list there. Please be praying uh, for those who are unwell and uh, desperate for our prayers. Remember to pray for our missionaries. There's information in the bulletin again about Andy and Margie Newman, where they're up to. And also, if you uh, want to receive information from, from Gil and Ruth, uh, there's a way of getting in contact with them so that you can be praying for them also. Let's have a time of praise.
close with the words of this blessing. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. God bless.